Appreciate the presence of each person here this morning. It's such a pleasure to be with you and to worship with you and to sing these songs and to bow before our Heavenly Father in prayer. And we're thankful for your presence. If you're visiting this morning, we want to say that we welcome you and that we're thankful for uh, you being with us. And we hope that you will find the service uplifting and uh, above all glorifying to God. Our text this morning for our thoughts will be found in Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter, verse 2. There the scripture says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God had led thee these forty years in the wilderness, to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. God commands the children of Israel that they must remember. A memory is a, a wonderful thing. A memory is something that can span time, can span events. My mother died in 2010, and she died of Alzheimer's. And I began as that disease progressed with her to understand more of the value of, the mem of memory and exactly what it means to us in so many ways. The latter years of my, life, of my mother's life, uh, the latter months of her life, actually, was one where she had a lot of visitors. Oh, they were not real visitors. They were not flesh and blood. They were visitors from her past. They were little bitty children that would come and visit her, and they would comfort her. They'd sit by her bedside, and she could see these people. Nobody else could see them. And she'd look down at the little girls or the little boys, and she'd say, aren't you cute? And those were touching moments for us because we understood that many of these children probably was us. In her mind, she was seeing uh, maybe her own children years ago. She spent a lot of time in the, in the latter months of her life uh, with her dad. She loved her dad. And traipsing over the old home place in the farm. Going back into a field that her dad had planted her when she was a little bitty girl. Oh, she visited all those places. And of course, her dad died in 1952, way before I didn't even know my grandfather. But in her mind, that was real. And that was so valuable to her. And that was such a wonderful thing. Memory is a wonderful thing. And I want to talk to you this morning about remembering. The Bible says a lot about remembering and the necessity of it. And what it can do for us and how this memory will continue and go on. You see, memory spans time. Memory uh, is not restricted by age or it's not restricted by where you are or place or event. Memory is not even dependent upon life. According to Luke 16, verse 25, in Jesus telling the story of the rich man and Lazarus, 
But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. I find comfort in memory. I find comfort in the fact that when I die, that doesn't mean that I'm going to forget. That I'll remember. According to Jesus in this story, and I believe it to be a true story in the sense that it teaches true principles, and you could argue whether or not it's a parable, and I'm not going to debate that with you, because I believe that whatever Jesus taught is true, regardless of whether it's a parable or an actual event. But the rich man who found himself in torment lifted up his eyes in torments, and while he could look across the gulf into paradise and see Lazarus comforted, he remembered. Now that's a sobering thought for us too. Because regardless of our state that we find ourselves in in the next life, we're going to remember. Now I find great comfort in the fact that if I am with God, I can remember, but I can find great discomfort that if I'm not with him, then I can remember also. I wonder how many times that we have been under conviction in our life and we have shunned those convictions and we have decided that we're not going to listen to our convictions, but someday... We will remember. And remember those times that we could have obeyed God and didn't. Someone said that a drowning victim, uh, as they are drowning and they have been revived, some people have said this, when they were, after they were revived, that while they were drowning, before they lost consciousness, that the events in their life sometimes just ran before them like a video. And very quickly and very uh, dramatic. That these events in their life just flash before them and they can remember all their events. A lot of dying victims have said that. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. And for a long time that we have thought about memory, we thought about it this way. We thought that everything that happens in our life is recorded in, on, on the hard drive of the brain. And that everything that happened, everything that we see, a lot of people for a long time, science held to this fact, that, uh, to, held to this theory, that everything that happens to you is somewhere recorded. So therefore, theologians would have tried to take that and apply it to theology and say, one of the books that will be opened in the last day will be the book of your memories. Well, I really don't believe that anymore. I might have believed it at one time in my life. I believe the books that will be opened and we will be judged out of will be, number one, the Bible, the book of God's commandments and God's word and God's law will be judged by his word Certainly we will be judged by 
whether or not we are in the book of life and your name is written there. And I do believe that God has a record of all of our events of our life and all of the actions and the works of our life. We will give an account of our life in that respect. But whether or not your mind records everything in the sense that many people thought about it, science has changed their thinking on that. And the reason they've changed their thinking on it is because of their uh, research into post-traumatic stress syndrome and disorder. And I read an article from a medical magazine that talked about memory. And the magazine said that the people who have post-traumatic stress syndrome, they suppress memories. And they don't allow the memories to come out and they don't talk about them. So, and they found that we have the ability, and I believe the Bible will support this because God commands us to remember, that they have the ability to the events, and all of us have the ability in, of the events in our life, to reconstruct. And so the people that are suffering from post-traumatic stress syndrome, what they try to get them to do, and they see the value of, of this, is reconstruct those events. And they have found that much of the disorder is caused by people reconstructing erroneously. And if they can talk about those things and they can visualize those things as soon as they happened then the post-traumatic stress disorder becomes less and it's less involved. Now that's the gist of that story. How does that apply to what God tells us today to remember? In a moment, uh, you and I are going to remember the suffering and death of Jesus Christ. You and I are going to have to make an effort to do that. We will have to take the events that happened as recorded. And God has made it easy for us to remember because he told us the details of the events of that time. And he tells us that as we remember, then uh, we are reconstructing the events. We can reconstruct in our mind the events of Gethsemane. The more we are familiar with those events by the reading of God's word, the easier it is to reconstruct it in the memory of our, in our, of our thoughts. So many people, have you noticed so many people's memory has let them down? How easy is, is it for us to recall and try to recall events in our life, but if we could see it as a movie? It might not be exactly like we have reconstructed it. Science says every time that you, and medicine says that every time you remember, that you remember actually in fragments. That one fragment here, one fragment here, one, one puzzle piece here, one puzzle piece here of the events, and then you put them together and you have a memory. Sometimes, have you noticed, when we remember something that people did, might not all the way, always be accurate. Have you noticed that when we are hurt and our feelings are hurt and we have been uh, uh, disappointed that a lot of times we can't remember exactly what we said. We remember what they said. 
<laughs> and we remember why we're mad because they said that to me or they said this. Our memory's not always accurate. Sometimes our memory lets us down in this life. You and I are commanded to remember, but we need to remember accurately. Sometimes this remembering accurately means that I have to take on honesty. That I have to remember what I did. I don't believe anyone can ever repent except they first remember. How could you? But you have to remember accurately. So you have to reconstruct those memories as accurately as possible. We're commanded to remember God puts keepsakes in our hands. That's what this is about this morning in a few minutes. It's a keepsake. Luke 22 verse 19 says that he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. For more than a thousand years, the Jews had kept the feast of the Passover in order to help them remember. You and I like keepsakes. This keepsake is very valuable to us. My wife and I, when we were uh, dating, we dated before email, before cell phones. We had to write letters to each other. Imagine that, young people. We actually had to write out a letter. I'd send off a letter to my wife up in Kentucky, and then I'd wait. <laughs> and then she would send me a letter back, and then she'd wait. And we did that, and we did that. One of our anniversaries, I found a charm that had a, just an envelope. And I gave it to her. It's a keepsake. We do that all the time. We need to cherish our keepsakes. They help us remember. They help us reconstruct these things. That's what this is. God has given us a keepsake so that you and I can remember. We need to reconstruct and we need to make sure that we remember accurately. And that we're not remembering bias toward one form or another. We need to remember the wrongs in our life, but we need to remember accurately. And we need to reconstruct and be honest and true. And it will help us. Why do you think God commands us to remember? It's because scientifically we remember everything, but practically we forget everything. You forget your car keys. You forget to pay the bills. You forget promises you made and commitments you made. You get the idea. You forget, you forget, you forget. So God tells us to remember and because we can make an effort to do that. We are urged to remember because what we remember and how we remember is purely by choice. You can choose to remember wrong and in error. And it can ruin the rest of your life. Or you can be honest and you can choose to remember accurately. And when we start remembering accurately, then that person that wronged us, well, it might not be exactly like we think originally. And we start remembering what we said and we start remembering how we said it and we start remembering what we did. 
Everything we remember, we remember purely by choice, which would also mean then that I can remember to, for, or I can, I can choose to forget. I can choose to do that. And some of you have. You've chosen to forget certain things in your life. The wise man, Solomon, said, A fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. Choose to forget God? A lot of people can, and a lot of people do. Choose to forget the creator of the universe, and God calls him a fool. You remember the story of, that Jesus told in Luke 16 of the uh, rich farmer who built his barns? He was prosperous. He did quite well. He said, I'll build bigger barns. I'll tear down these barns. I'll build bigger barns. And then I'll say to my soul, soul, take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you shall die. Take thine ease, soul. The rich farmer who built his barn speak the pronouns of a fool. And the pronouns are a fool are this. I, my, and mine. God didn't call him a wicked man. He called him a fool. Why did he call him a fool? He forgot. He chose to forget. That's why he called him a fool. He chose to forget where the blessings came from. He thought he'd done it all himself. If I can choose to remember, then I can choose to forget. And I'm going to tell you, if you choose to forget God, God doesn't necessarily deem you a wicked man, but he does deem you a fool. So the rich farmer forgot God and therefore he forgot where his blessings came from. One may choose never to think of God and never to remember God. We may choose never to allow a thought to dwell within us. We can also choose uh, to bless him and to thank him for our blessings and to give God all the praise, honor, and glory for our blessings. We can remember those things, but we can choose to forget those things. I've talked to people, and I suppose you have too, that have chosen to forget that they're going to die. They choose to not remember that. I had a friend back home that he decided that he would choose not to remember that he was going to die. And when you talked to him about death, he was ready to end the conversation. I don't want to hear that. Why? I don't want to remember it. Because if I remember that I'm going to die, then that stirs a lot of fear within me. It stirs a lot of anguish. So we go through our life every day thinking and remembering what we choose to and choosing to forget what we desire. But if we obey the text and we choose to remember, what's the value of it? First of all, I'd like to share with you a couple of thoughts as to why I want uh, to, for you to remember. Number one, it is impossible to have gratitude except you remember. I want you to remember this morning all the blessings that God has given you. If you choose to forget those, you're not going to be grateful. But you have to choose to remember them. 
In order to be thankful, I have to remember experiences of which God has blessed me. Psalms 103 verse 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The rich farmer who built his barns that we mentioned, what did he forget? He forgot the sunshine. He forgot the rain. He forgot the increase. He forgot all of those things. You know, we've been through a drought too back home. And there was, in the heart of the drought, it was easy for me to forget that it had ever rained. You think, I, it's never going to rain again. And I forgot what it did the last time. And when we get in that state of mind and we start forgetting all the blessings that God has given us, then we cannot be thankful. But we have to cause and we have to choose to remember these blessings. The scripture commands us that we are to be thankful for everything. Paul told the church at Thessalonica, in everything. Give thanks. But how can I give thanks except I remember? Number two, I can't be free of worry except I remember. In order to be free of worry, then I have to remember the experiences of the past. How did God deal with me in the past? Could anyone honestly say and sit here this morning... And say, God has never dealt with me in the past and he's never blessed me in the past. Can you remember those times that when all seemed hopeless, but yet God blessed you? Can you remember the answered prayers? Can you remember the blessings of God? Well, then when I get into a circumstance where it's a drought again in my life. I can remember. Well, God was faithful and he is faithful. And whatever circumstance I'm in right now, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I can make it through whatever situation that I'm in. Because why? Because I can remember how God dealt with me in the past. So I can be free of worry and I can be free of concern to the point that it robs me. We look at the church. And for many people in many parts of this country, in many parts of this world, the church seems less alive today than it did. Does it seem less alive to you? There's nothing new about that. I think that's the case. That has been the case with, with uh, uh, Christians all throughout time. Whatever situation they're living in, they think, well, this is probably the worst time in history. Somebody here this week told me that uh, one of a uh, preacher in the past, uh, he, he might, uh, well-known preacher, Van Beno, a very brilliant mind, said he stood up one, in one service and said, America is drunk on sports. <laughs> that was 1945, I think. <laughs> Does the church seem less alive to you today? I'm going to tell you, there was a time in the history of the church, if we choose to remember, that there was just a handful of disciples. 
Why, there was a time when you could put them all <laughs> in a small room together. If we choose to remember, we can remember that. And we can remember that this is God's church, and no matter what our social uh, environment is around us, and no matter how society and how degrading it becomes, we can remember how it was in the past, and I can have gratitude. I'm going to tell you, I think we live in one of the most exciting times of the church right now than ever. And the reason being is because God is just as alive today as he was 2,000 years ago. This is much as his church as it was in that church that met in the upper room or on the day of Pentecost. The church is just as alive and just as vibrant and just as healthy, maybe more so in a lot of, in a lot of respects. We can choose to remember the past and choose to remember these things and it will bring about Gratitude, it will prevent worry. And what blessings a memory is. That's not the only value of a memory. I think that one of the greater values of a memory is uh, it is a preventive medicine. The scripture says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Now, this remembering in the days of the youth is not necessarily so much of a recalling, but bearing in mind. And again, choosing to have these thoughts in your mind and construct these thoughts. While we're young, if we can bear in mind our Creator and we can start living that way, then when we get old, it won't be difficult for us to reconstruct these memories. And I can be prevented. The best use of a memory is to keep us. Think in your own life for a moment. There's not a person here that has not made mistakes in their life. You've made financial mistakes. You've made spiritual mistakes. You've made moral mistakes. You've made, you've made mistakes. Now, if you could go back to one of these major mistakes and you had it to do over again, if you could only remember the road that it took you. You know why history repeats itself? Well, of course we do. The reason why history repeats itself is because people keep doing the same thing, hoping for a different result. That's why history repeats itself. And that's also the definition of insanity. I keep doing the same things over and over and over again, and I hope for a different result every time I do them. But if I can remember the result of the past, when I made that action that led me away from God, and it took me so long to get back to it, if I can remember the, those thoughts and that th thought process that led me, to say those words or to yield to that temptation that was placed before me. How preventive is that? What a great preventive medicine our memory is. Many heartaches could be prevented if we could only remember. And if you're ever going to repent, 
And if you're ever going to come to God, you have to remember. Jesus tells a story of a lost boy who made a choice to go to his father and say, Father, give me of mine inheritance. So his father did. He gave him of his boy's desires and the boy went and left his father and he left the company of his home and he went to the far country, the Bible says. And there he wasted his goods with riotous living in this far country. And you know the story and you know the result of of his actions and of his choices and his decisions. Well, he wound up in the pig pen of life. Well, of course. That's where rebellion always takes you. I told a person that uh, very dear to me that, you know, when you get to the point in your life where you don't have anybody to turn to, and you don't have anybody to listen to, you've got to remember. You've got to remember. The boy had forgotten. He'd forgotten his mama and his daddy. He'd forgotten his home. While he was there wasting his living with riotous living and wasting all of his goods, the cause of his failure was forgetting. And then the Bible says that as he was in this pig pen feeding the hogs, that he would have fain filled himself with a husk. But then something happened to this boy. The Bible says that he came to himself. What does that mean? He came to himself. Well, the opposite of, being, of coming to yourself is being beside yourself. If I'm beside myself, then that means I, I have a form of insanity. Have you ever noticed the people that have a form of insanity of any kind, they can't remember? They're, they're, they're pieces that come together in their mind. They just don't fit. This boy had forgotten and it had led him to insanity. And his life and his actions were, in, were insane. But the Bible says that he came to himself and he says, well, my father, I can go back to him. And I can say, father, I'm not worthy to be as thy son. Just make me as one of thy hired servants. What happened to him? He chose to remember. He chose to remember where he came from. He chose to remember his father and he chose to remember his home. Every one of us here this morning are here because there was somebody in our life that loved us so much that they were willing to teach us. That they were willing to be concerned about our soul. They loved us so much that they were willing to sacrifice of their time and their effort. Now, all of us have these memories, and we can choose to remember them, of the time that we were taught. 
when someone sat down with us and they taught us. Sometimes we have to go way back in our memories. Sometimes we have to recall people who are long gone. And we need to be able to hear those voices. We need to be able to hear those voices and the sound of their voice and the pleading of their voice. When the prodigal son remembered, then he picked himself up and he went back to his father. And while he was yet afar off, we see the father looking and waiting and hoping for the boy's memory. I don't know where you are this morning in your life. I know that we choose to forget a lot of things. And you may have made some choices in your life to forget who you are. And to forget what you're about. And to forget what has been taught to you. And you know, you can choose to forget to to the point that those memories become so vague. But yet there may be something to spark just a little bit. To remember that person that loved you. That desired your best and remember what they said and remember as the prodigal did his father. And to make that trip back home. The prodigal said to his father, he said, Father, I'm not worthy to be called one of your children. Make me as one of thy hired servants. There's so many lessons in this parable. I appreciate uh, the lesson in the parable where the, how the boy left and he said, Father, give me, give me. He'd forgotten. He had already forgotten when he left home. He'd forgotten the love of his father and he'd forgotten uh, the the teaching of his father. He said, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And then he went and then he remembered and then he come back and he said, Father, make me as one of thy hired servants and that is repentance. I don't know where you are in your life this morning, whether or not you have forgotten your past and whether or not you've forgotten who you are. I want to exhort you this morning and stir your memory to remember where you came from and who you are. Perhaps I'm talking to someone here this morning who is a child of the king, but you've forgotten. How often in our life that we get out into the world and we forget who we are. Brethren, we're children of the King. Let's not forget it. But we have to make an effort and we have to choose to remember. There's a story that comes out of World War II that I want to share with you in closing. It's the story of a father who was taking his son to get on the ship to travel overseas to fight in that bloody war. My understanding, this this father took this boy and this was his only son. And he was watching him sail off and he was getting ready to watch him sail off to go over to Europe and to fight in that war. 
and this was his only son. And, and you know, and uh, there's been, this has happened so many times where the father did not know whether the boy would ever come back home or not. And he was watching him leave. And he tells him as he was getting on the ship, he said, son, there's just one thing I want you to remember. I want you to remember whose child you are. And that's what I'm calling you to this morning. Don't forget whose child you are. If you had the blessing of good parents and a good family, don't forget it. But above that, don't forget who bought you and who purchased you with his own blood. Don't forget it. Choose to remember. And as we walk out these doors today, we can remember whose child we are and we can serve him. If you're here this morning and you have forgotten, you need to remember. If you need repentance, we serve a loving God who is willing to remember you. You know, I, that's, I really want the Lord to remember me, don't you? Jesus said in Matthew 7, he said, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out devils in thy name? Have we not done many wonderful works? Then I will profess unto them, he said, Depart from me, I never knew you. I don't remember you. Who are you? Are you my, I don't remember you being my child. Lord, when I come into those gates on that day, please remember me. But I must remember you first. And I cannot repent except I remember. Won't you come as together we stand and sing?